Welcome back to another episode of Fill My Hole. My name is Phil Balabanos. I tell stories, sometimes people listen, and it seems that today is one of those days, whichever day it is in the future that you're listening to this, uh, because here you are. I mean, if you're not watching me and you're just listening, uh, what is it, 2007? Come over to YouTube. Video podcasting is where it's at. I'm not doing anything visually interesting, but I spend a lot of time fine-tuning my lighting setup just so it can look nice for you guys. I got those soft shadows. I got those nice roll-offs. Everything's looking pretty. I got some warm light, some cool light. Everything's right where it should be. I'm very proud of my lighting because, I mean, it's a big part of what I do. Uh, today's episode is going to be what they call in the biz a filler. Uh, I guess a filler with a PHI in this case. It's a filler. It's a whole filler of fill my hole because um, how can we set this up? Okay, so I have reached out to a lot of people who are on the front lines of the COVID-19 pandemic because I want to talk to them and I want to know what they're doing and what they're up to and all that fun stuff. Let me just drink a little coffee here. I've reached out to five people. Five people who have agreed to come on to the program. I like saying program because it makes me sound like an old-timey news radio guy. Uh, and who want to talk to me and give me the facts and do outreach and all that. As it would be, during a pandemic, the people on the front lines of the pandemic are very busy. Which makes it really hard to schedule. So no one was available for this week yet. It's all still happening. It's just going to take a lot longer to happen. Um, and that's, that's sad because I really want to have these conversations on the show. I want the show to be something of substance, something where you're getting some kind of information. I, I don't want to go so far as to say it's something that's not in the mainstream media, but like, I want to go to the source. I want to speak to the people who are doing the science, who are working with patients, who are passing, you know, making policy. And what is that? Where's that coming from? But alas, here we are. It's just us, <laughs> just us filling you. Um, so we're doing a filler. And today I'm going to talk about something that I didn't think I would ever talk about on this podcast, something that's very close to my heart, and uh, I think it will come as a huge surprise to a lot of people, and that is my affinity and my obsession, nay, my, my addiction to low-budget Bigfoot documentaries. Now, I don't know how I come off to most people, but I'm pretty sure, pretty sure I don't come off as someone who's like gung-ho believing in Sasquatch, right? And that's probably because I don't. But I do believe in the films, the body of film that exists around it, right? Not that I believe that it's real or... I don't actually, I don't believe that it's real or uh, otherwise. I mean, I don't know. And that's part of the fun. But my wife learned this about me. I mean, yeah, I mean, she found out the hard way. Uh, because after we got married and, you know, we were living together... Every night, I just wanted to watch Bigfoot documentaries before bed. Now, you might ask yourself, why do I want to watch them before bed, right? It's a good question, so I'll answer it. I'll fill that hole for you. The thing is about Bigfoot documentaries, as interesting as they may be, or as terrible as they may be, because there are some very bad ones. Same thing goes for alien documentaries. I mean, you could run a parallel here either way, because I don't not believe, and I don't, be I don't believe, but I don't not believe, right? Like, I'm, I'm there. Even if I fall asleep... I never run the risk of missing some huge reveal. It's not like I'm going to doze off, you know, 38 minutes into a 45-minute episode, wake up the next morning, and my wife's going to be like, "Did you, you, you fell asleep. They actually found Bigfoot. They found him. That was it. He was out there the whole time. Um, so there's no risk, right? But it's all reward because it's not Bigfoot that's interesting. 
I mean, Bigfoot could be interesting. Uh, let's just for a just for a second, let's just back up and be like, okay, Bigfoot, Bigfoot, a giant primate that lives in the woods, that has maybe magical powers. We're not sure. Has a giant foot, and whose range of descriptions, you know, the range is massive. Like it goes from a black uh, haired giant ape to like a hunched over orange colored ape. Sometimes they're gray. Sure diversity biodiversity is possible i guess in any species but i'm not a speciologist because that's not a real thing i'm also not a primatologist um i'm just a primate you know ooh, ooh, ah, ah. but is it could it could it be maybe maybe i mean it's the last great frontier of of human discovery in certain people's minds even though that's probably the ocean we're more likely to find like a kraken than we are bigfoot probably at this point why is there no body where's the bodies drain the swamp, all that stuff, all that good stuff. But the thing is, you never run the risk of missing something. It's not like if a discovery like Bigfoot was made, there would not be enough, like the secrecy involved in making things could not cover this up. If they can leak who's playing Wolverine, I mean, they're going to leak before they release an episode of finding where they actually found Bigfoot, right? What's super interesting is the people who dedicate their lives to this. It's this entire American, well, not only American, but this entire subculture, right? And, and you look at these people and, and like a lot of them, especially from like the Finding Bigfoot guys, like Cliff Barrickman and the, the weird looking dude whose name I can't remember right now. Like they have relatively normal, like personal lives. Like they have families, they're married, they have kids, they're educated, they have businesses, but then they dedicate this huge part of their lives to going into the woods in the dark of night under green light and just making these funny sounds. Like there's no scientific method. They're playing like it's, it's all scientific method, right? But there is no scientific method to what they're doing. They're just out in the woods making noise. Um, one could argue that that's how you find Bigfoot, but I, I couldn't argue against it because I don't know how to find Bigfoot, right? So... I'm having this issue again with this goddamn mic. It's so pretty, but the camera likes it better than me, so it focuses on it. So I'm trying to find the right angle to get us both in focus. But uh, I don't know, guys. I mean, if you're not watching and you're just listening, you don't care right now. Phil's just talking random about stuff. But hey, if you're, if you're watching, if you're listening, you already know, like you've suspended your expectations of the randomness that's gonna, that is about to occur. Like... Last week, I talked about some hard-hitting government missteps. And uh, I mean, a lot of people accuse me of being depressed. <laughs> not, I'm not depressed, just for the record. I'm like, I'm sad about COVID, but I'm not depressed. Um, but like today, we're talking about Bigfoot because that's, that's the kind of hard-hitting questions I want to be asking. Uh, yeah, so, so these people have dedicated this, this huge amount of time, like... I, I, I have hobbies, right? My hobbies consist of this, because it's a hobby for me to some extent. Uh, you know, my hobby used to be making videos. It became my job. Um, I don't really have any other hobbies, now that I think of it. I mean, I play, playing with my kids is not a hobby. That's just my personal life. And, um, hmm. I mean, I've started to learn. No, that's the wrong way to say this. I've started trying to teach myself how to play guitar, right? Like, that's where I'm at. I can play like an E minor I can play horse with no name poorly. That's, that's where I'm at. I'm, le I'm learning the chromatic scales. So like just to do that is a pretty big time. Like uh, it's a big part of my time, right? Like I got to dedicate a lot of time to that and I enjoy it. So I, I do it and I try the, as best I can to always carve out some time to do these things that I like. 
but these people spend like days on end in the woods. Now you'll tell me that, okay, they've started turning a profit because they got these deals and they're on these shows, but they were doing this before. And if you look at the people that go out with them, sometimes these like Bigfoot societies, it's crazy. Now, look, I'm not going to shit on anyone and how they want to spend their time. If you want to spend your time in the woods howling, fuck, by all means, do it. I have no issue. But at some point, is it not a lost cause? And I don't want them to believe me. Like, don't, don't, don't believe me, Bigfoot people, because I want to keep watching you guys go out there and knock sticks because, you know, Bigfoot communicates in a manner of fashions. They can howl. They do these weird yelps, which I won't even attempt because I'll probably crack my larynx. Um, they knock rocks together. Suspiciously also sounds a lot like rocks falling, you know, naturally. But whatever, I digress. Uh, they sometimes hit wood from trees. They knock it down. I mean, that suspiciously also does happen in nature. Sometimes they smell like the woods. I don't think I need to reiterate the, the latter statements from the former. Anyways, you guys get the point. So the main argument I always see about like for the existence of Bigfoot is how could so many groups of people across the world throughout the ages. And again, once again, the exact same thing, <clears throat> the exact same argument can be made for aliens. Um, how could so many separated by thousands upon thousands of kilometers with no cultural connection to one another, so many people come to the same conclusion that there is a hairy man-like beast living in the woods. I mean, I would argue that even though we are all very different from one another, you know, we have different experiences, our brains kind of work the same way. We're people and we always want to know that there's something else out there. Right. The idea of a wild man, I mean, any time in history, you go back to look at what a wild man may have looked like. He looked like a man, but wild. What does that mean? He's unkempt. He's got long hair. Next thing you know, he's, he was hairy. Then he had a long beard. Then he was even hairier. Next thing you know, he's a monkey. Boom. Gorillas in the mist. Um, so it's not that big of a stretch to believe that people would assume that there's this like ape-like creature and a bunch of different people would believe the same thing and it actually didn't exist. It's very possible that it doesn't exist. But at the same time, there's just like, uh. then there's the Patterson-Gimlin footage, right? Like, I don't know if any of you have ever seen this. It's that famous footage from like, uh, I think it's from California, if I'm not mistaken. It shows like a Bigfoot walking and it looks back and it's like, Bigfoot and it fucking walks away. I mean, those guys were out in the woods making a film about Bigfoot. Do you understand how ridiculous it is and like the chances that they captured the best footage in the history of the, of the phenomenon while they were out there making a film about it? Like if you had told me they were out shooting random trees with a new camera they just got and they were just testing it out, sure, okay. But the fact, it's, it's like saying in 2001, on September 10th, you and your buddies get together for a school project. And they're like, what should we shoot for the school video project? Uh, why don't we do like a mock uh, terrorist attack on New York City where the Twin Towers are hit? Oh, yeah. And then we'll film the Twin Towers and we'll add some stuff after. And then as they're filming it, the Twin Towers get hit on the 11th. Like that is how ridiculous that explanation is. 
Does the footage prove anything beyond a shadow of it? No, fuck no. It doesn't prove anything. It could be a guy in a suit. I don't know. Then I've seen people break down the footage and be like, oh, well, it has a breast. Could you see the breast sway? It is a female Sasquatch. I don't know what the female, like a lioness and a lion, like a, a Squatches. Maybe it's a Squatches. But it's just, it doesn't really matter. That's, that's the great thing about it. It doesn't matter. For the same reason that I can doze off and not worry, it doesn't matter at all because I'm not there for them to find uh, Bigfoot. I'm there to watch them be fucking crazy. It, it, it all comes down to that. Like, am I entertained? And yes, I'm very, very entertained by it. But I don't know why. I think there is a part of me that wants to believe, right? I'm like, I'm like Mulder. I'm not Mulder. I'm Scully. I want to believe, but I just don't. Um, and, and I often wonder, like, I'll be talking to people about something random. And the thought will cross my mind. I'm like, I wonder if they believe in Bigfoot. And I, by no means I'm using, uh, am I using that as like a, a gauge for like how I respect people in society. Like if you want to believe in Bigfoot, by all means, believe in Bigfoot. But it's just you, to watch these people do what they do, go out and, and like wear fucking ghillie suits. Speaking of ghillie, ghillie suits, actually, there's this stupid way. I should have closed the window. There's this stupid, not stupid, it's tragic, actually. There's a story about a guy who was perpetuating like a Bigfoot hoax. And he wore a ghillie suit and he ran across the street, like the highway, and he got hit by a car. Like, how bad did you want to... I, I know there's a lot of money. So there's a lot of money involved, right? Like, and I know that. Because these videos get thousands upon thousands of views. And you monetize that and you're making money on YouTube, right? I mean, it. it you stand to make a, a good chunk of change if you get a viral video. But like viral videos aren't what they were in like 2010, right? It's 10 years later. The algorithms are different. The way people share things are different. Everything's different. Even YouTube is not, YouTube is not that like random hub of randomness anymore. Like there's some very, very structured content. Like I would argue that even this, what I'm doing now is pretty structured compared to what things were 10 years ago. Like I have a title, I have an intro, there's theme music, there's a professional microphone, it's well lit you know exactly what you're watching. Well, you didn't know. You had no idea what you were getting yourself into today. But, you know, in general, <laughs> you know what's going on. And then you have channels like Pantelis' channel, which are, you know, I mean, there's new content every single day. Uh, there's live streaming. And, uh, and I'll try to remember to bring that up again by the end of this episode. I want to talk about that. But, like, I'm curious. If you're watching this, if you're listening to this, do you believe in Bigfoot? It's a simple question. Yes or no? It doesn't have to be an absolute yes. It doesn't have to be an absolute no. I don't know. I don't think I believe either way. I don't believe that it's not real. I don't believe that it is real, right? It's just, uh, it's just a question of why the fuck can I not stop watching this? It's like watching a car crash or like an anthropological documentary, which I also enjoy, by the way. I, I, I can't come up with a clear answer because I don't know what it is that draws me to it. Again, I'll make that same joke. I like the fact that I can doze off and not have to worry about missing anything huge. But like in that same vein, um, I've been watching for the past, I don't know, how long has it been? Eight years? The Curse of Oak Island, right? On history, which is actually really close to where I live. I mean, close. I can't walk there. <laughs> I, can't even I can drive there, but it'll take a while. But it's only like a couple hours away. Like it's this, it's something that I, I remember reading in, I don't remember what that book was called in English class in elementary I don't know if anyone can remember it or anyone who went to school with me who's listening, if you guys remember this. It was these like assorted stories 
it was like a purple book reading reading something i forget i forget what it was called but it was just like uh it was very magazine style like it was like current events it was it had a, like a reader's digest kind of feel so it was like stories about botulism and like uh, one in a million chance of contracting it you know bigfoot stories and stuff from the news like current events and that kind of stuff and i remember reading about oak island on that and the money pit i mean i'm pivoting hard here but i guess it's all in the same kind of pseudoscience or crypto science crypto archaeology crypto as well i really don't know it's crypto shit that's what i'm gonna call this episode fill fill my whole episode 10 crypto shit um so yeah like oak island they've been digging for fucking ever i mean we have lidar now how have we not found anything but then like if you watch the show sometimes i fall asleep and the next day i'll go back because they actually found something I mean, sometimes it's nothing. It's just like a, a, an ox shoe. Like, it could be explained away by a thousand different things, but it's still a piece of history. But, like, they found, like, lead Templar crosses, uh, ancient Chinese money. What else did they find? They found jewels, like, little rings and brooches. And everything seems to be, they have that crazy metal detecting guy. The British guy is always like, it's from the 1700s, mate. And he's, like, always so excited, and sometimes it's just nothing. But then you look at these two guys, Rick and Marty, the Lagina brothers, who are, who, who are running the dig through Marty or Rick's company, whatever, Lagina dig, whatever he does. I don't know what he does. I think they do geological surveys, his company, somewhere in Michigan. And they've spent so much money on this. But then you look at what the show brings in for history and for them. They're each making like a half a million dollars a year off this show. And at some point, you've got to ask yourself, do they even care anymore? Or are they just in it for the paycheck and the slight tiny bit of celebrity? Or the third and best option, in my opinion, is they were so fucking passionate about this. They dedicated their lives to it at some point, threw a bunch of money on it. And whether they solve it or not, it paid off because they're doing what they love and they're getting paid. I mean, it's the dream. I often try to think about, am I passionate about anything besides making videos and like films? Like a, like a cause, a, a story, a something that I could dedicate that much time to it. And I don't, I don't know that I am. I mean, especially something that no one else has so that I could do something different. I mean, the only thing that comes to mind, um, and it's been coming to mind a lot more this year specifically because of the importance of the year, and I'll, I'll get into that in a second. And I spoke about it two episodes ago. It's that documentary that I want to work on, that like uh, Greek identity concept. I mean, for those who don't know, in 1821, the borderland of the Ottoman Empire, which is what is today Greece, uh, through a series of, I mean, it almost feels accidental to some extent, uh, a series of almost accidental, poorly planned uprisings uh, that happened spontaneously throughout the entire region, uh, gained independence as the first modern Greek state. I mean, they were the first breakaway state from an empire that had stood for almost a thousand years at that point. I don't, I don't know if that's right. That's it's not almost a thousand years, not really a thousand years, more like 506, but not to that extent either. But that takes away from the epic statement I just made. They were the first breakaway state from a, an empire that had stood for almost a thousand years the illegitimate successor state to Rome in the eyes of the sultans. And this was the, in their opinion, the, the legitimate uh, successor state was trying to rebirth itself, right? And it's such an interesting story because I went, I went to a Greek school. I mean, I don't think that's a secret. I think most people know that. 
I've spoken about it many times on other shows, on like this just thing or Pantelis and I went to school together till I was in the sixth grade. We were in a Greek school, three languages, only one of its kind in the world. Um, we were taught exactly what the kids in Greece are taught about Greek history, the national myth, right? Like all countries have them. Um, it's nothing to be ashamed of. It's, it, it, it owes its origins to the concept of nationalism and how nation states were first formed. And I won't get into that too deep right now, but there's a national myth, which is after 400 years of slavery, the Greek people rose up and decided we need our own country again. And the, I think it was the patriarch of Patra. I don't know why I mispronounced Patra so bad. It's a city in southern Greece, in the Peloponnese. Um, his name was uh, Germanos, the patriarch Germanos. He lifted the symbol of rebellion on the 25th of March, 1821. And from then on, the revolution happened and the Greeks fought hard and eventually they built the country. I mean, it's not completely wrong, but it's so close to the truth. But it isn't the truth. Because the truth is, this guy probably never lifted a revolution standard. He never lifted the standard of war. That's just a myth. That's a story that was told. Uh, the real story is way more interesting, and it's and it's and it's a mess of just betrayal and civil war and ethnic cleansing from both sides. And then you start to realize that the way we understand nationality today is not how they understood nationality 200 years ago. And that's why this year is important. It's the 200th anniversary of this revolution. I mean, in English, it's called a war of liberation, but the Greeks don't call it that. They call it the revolution, period. Or they just call it by the year that it happened because that the 1821 has taken on like an infamous, not, not, not infamous, but it's a very important date. So like just to re refer to the year, you, the other person knows what you're talking about. So, you know, 200 years ago, nationality was completely tied into your religion some the kind of how Jewish people come from everywhere, but they're still all Jews. And like, we almost treat it like it's an ethnicity, like, oh, he looks Jewish. You'll hear people say that, whether that's true or not, or right or wrong or anti-Semitic or not, people still say it, right? But the thing is, how do you look a religion? You can't look a religion. It's not possible. I mean, there's Ashkenazi Jews, there's Sephardi Jews, there was Ramanyot, like native, uh, not native, but uh, ethnically Greek Jews. There still are some I mean, most of them were sold out by the Sephardi Jews during the Second World War to the Nazis, and they done died real bad like. That is a very interesting story, actually. A very uh, a lesser known tragedy of a much larger tragedy, which was the Holocaust. But their story is so, it's just heart, heartbreaking to hear how it happened because they were so unique. Even within Judaism, they were unique as a culture. Even within Greece, like amongst the other Greeks, a very unique, very interesting, very old culture. But they were still Greeks, but they were Jews. So like, how does religious ethnicity, like how do you even break that down? Like it doesn't really make sense, right? So there's so many different kinds of sects of Judaism from different parts of the world, but they're all Jews, right? So in the, in the 1800s, at that time, 1821, like a Turk was just a Muslim in, the, in that part of the world. If you were a Turk, if you were a Muslim, you were called a Turk. If you were a Greek Orthodox, you were Greek. Like, this is how... And they didn't use the term Greek the way we use it today. Like, uh, the, 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 the word and the nomenclature changed in that period because of their, the enlightenment that happened. And you see a lot of the older names start to be taken back because, like, Hellenic and Hellene had come to mean pagan, right? Because of Rome's conversion to Christianity and 
that part of the Eastern Roman Empire continuing for so long. I mean, I've gone down like a long segue, but that just goes to show you, see, I could talk about this for hours, right? Fucking days. It's just a question of structuring it. I mean, this is the only thing that I can think of that I could ever dedicate that much time and energy to. Like, I, I mean, as a, as a side project. And I have, and I'm trying to, but it, every time I do it and I get stuck and I, I can't move forward because I'm missing facts or I'm, I just don't have the right flow for how to turn this into a cohesive, interesting story. Like I'm reading a book right now called uh, Greece, uh, Biography of a Modern Nation by Robert, I, I forget. I mean, I'm like 300, page in, 300 pages into a thousand page book. The revolution has just started and it's already falling apart. Like that's where we're at. And he's figured out how to tell this story. It's almost like Greece is a human being, like Greece the nation, and he's telling it like a biography, which, I mean, hence the title. So I was like, oh, that's fucking cool. That's a good way to do that. But that works in a book. I don't think it would work as well in the context of a documentary film, right? So I think about that, and I was like, oh, no, I'm stuck. And then I go back to these Bigfoot guys. They're just fucking out there howling at the moon. They... They don't care that it doesn't make sense. They don't care that they're not making progress. And you realize that at some point, it doesn't really matter if they find him or not. Not only to me, but to them as well. They're just out there because they love being out there. It's the thrill of the hunt, like being with their, their friends or whatever, their, their people. <laughs> and, and it's such a nice and simple concept, if you think about it. We love to be in the woods. We're not hunters. We also think that maybe Bigfoot is real. So we're just going to get together twice a month. We're going to go out in the woods. We're going to go camping. And we're going to howl and knock some shit. And we're going to film it. We're going to put it on YouTube. If we make some money, that's great. If not, we did it for the memories. And I mean, that is a beautiful and simple concept that I can get behind 100%. Especially nowadays. nowadays not nowadays, but today. In, like, in this climate, in this social distancing era. I mean, I can completely be okay with people doing dumb things like looking for Bigfoot just as an excuse to hang out with their buddies in the woods. Like we need human connection. The very same part of us that makes us need human connection is the same part of us that thousands of years ago imagined an, a humanoid, a human-like creature that lives in the woods that is like us but different. And some people feared it and some people revered it, Right. So Bigfoot as a metaphor for our need for one another, I mean, I think that's the simplest metaphor it could be. I can't believe I just did 27 minutes on Bigfoot. I mean, I didn't do the full 27 minutes on Bigfoot. I was talking about other things. But I'd, I, honestly, if you asked me ever in my past, would you ever do a, a film, uh, an episode of a podcast where you just talked about Bigfoot by yourself? I don't think I would. Is there evidence out there that it might be real? Yes. There's some pretty cool evidence. I'm not going to lie. Sorry, I had a little stray hair hanging off my mustache there. Um, yeah, there's some pretty cool stuff. I mean, there's that primatologist who's on all the shows, and he he goes, you know, looks at the cast of the feet, and there's a whole bunch of stuff. And he's like, this couldn't have been faked. And, I'm, and in my mind, I'm like, okay, he's a primatologist. He knows. But, like, I've literally seen people deep fake faces on the stuff. Why can a foot cast be, like, why? Well, why? The people who are doing these, who are perpetuating these hoaxes know better than these guys doing these deep fakes. I don't know. I mean, the one thing that, so I had an experience years ago, not a Bigfoot experience. I mean, we were scouting locations 
This will make sense in a second. We're scouting locations from the zombie movie I made, 1501. Uh, 1501, right there. Whoops, I always miss. Yeah, it was a movie about two friends who... Anyways, you guys can watch it. It's on my... Balabanos.com, go to filmography and you'll see it. It's, a, it's like a, an anti-zombie zombie film. It's the weirdest thing. You, you, it's, it's okay. I mean, you might like it, you might not. Uh, but the location scouting for this film was re we went hard like we really wanted to find these like it's skunk ape right like it's bigfoot he should exist in certain places and i wanted that kind of motif that kind of woodsiness to translate into this because i wanted to like i mean i've been watching these bigfoot things forever like they've influenced a lot of the things that i think are interesting looking aesthetically speaking so we went to i can't remember the name of it it's somewhere in the west island of montreal it's like this like marshy area and it's called blood something it's like a big ass protected forest and it was myself my friend peter who was my co-producer our other co-producer brian who was our, our production coordinator also and my like my second basically on the project which was yogish my my, my friend who passed away yogish um who had found the location actually and uh i mean you, you guys will hear me talk about yogish often especially if i talk about older films like he worked on a lot of stuff with me and i mean He's gone too soon and we miss him kind of thing. Um, so Yogesh runs into the bush, right? It's like, I don't know, it's like right before spring, right? Around the time you go like cabana suk, like sugar shacking. So it's not too cold. The trees haven't bloomed. There's not a lot of snow, but it's wet and slushy. And he goes, I mean, from, the, from where I am now to that light behind me, the orange one on the table, that was the distance between us. Again, thin trees no brush like no no leaves and i shot him on video like on my phone through that as a joke and i realized i could barely see him like i could see him moving but i didn't like i didn't make much of it i was like yogesh how does it look you know and we realized we probably couldn't shoot through such a thick part of the bush and i went home and i'm watching my footage back a few days later i'm like what is this there's someone walking in there my brain instantly was like oh what the fuck is that then i realized it was yogesh <laughs> And I realized in that instance how hard it must actually be to catch a fucking animal on film in the deep woods. Like, and this wasn't even that deep. Like, this is, I mean, you walk no, 15 minutes in the other direction and you're at like a strip mall. But it, like where we were was pretty thick. So maybe, maybe it's real and people just can't. Maybe that's why the fucking footage looks so bad all the time. It's like when they try to... Oh, UFO in the sky. Let me put down my HD camera and pick up my potato with a lens on it. There we go. There it is. Proof of aliens. That is a blur, sir. Well, you had to be there. I mean, it's not always... Like these simple explanations that we use to explain away bad evidence in these kind of crypto situations sometimes is actually explainable on its own. Like it's hard to shoot in the woods. I can attest to that. I'm a professional shooter. I film every day. I have a fucking diploma up there that says I studied the science behind this, right? Yeah, I, will, I can attest. I'm, a, I'm an expert in this instance. It is very hard to achieve deep focus in an area that has that many trees. UFOs, same thing. Have you ever tried to take a picture of the moon? You're like, wow, the moon's so pretty. Let me take a picture of it. Your phone, your average cameras weren't built, like the consumer cameras weren't built to be able to account for that kind of discrepancy in dynamic range like from dark to light so if the moon is bright or the ufo is bright and the sky is dark your camera's gonna have a really fucking hard time focusing on that ufo 
And I mean, that makes you just think about it even more. Maybe I shouldn't be falling asleep at the end of these episodes. Maybe, maybe he's out there and he just wants to play. I don't know. I, I mean, this has been an experience, honestly, just talking about this. It's so random. But I never talked to anyone about it. Even like Pantelis and Poseidon who... I mean, Poseidon will believe almost anything, uh, given a good you know, lack of information. But they rarely... We rarely talk about it. It's just one of those things. I mean, I remember when I was in high school, I used to talk to people about it, whatever. But now any, uh, the only thing anyone wants to talk about nowadays is Trump, left versus right, identity politics... And coronavirus. Uh, all of those things are important. I'm not pretending that they're not. But I'm kind of sick of talking about the same thing all the fucking time. We get it. Coronavirus bad. Identity politics confusing. The will of the many over the needs of the few. Democracy, socialism, capitalism. Trump's crazy. Trump's not crazy. Q, Q, Q. I mean, at some point, it's just I don't care right now. I mean, I, I need to check out from this conversation for a bit. And by a bit, I mean today, <laughs> just to like get back to what life is is more about, what it should be more or less about, about things that are interesting, fucking asking cool questions, uh, space exploration. I don't know. I mean, I don't even know what I'm trying to say. So I'm going to wrap it up. I think if anything, I hope I entertained you for about 30 minutes. Um, remember, if you're listening to this in audio only format, you can watch it on my YouTube channel balabanos.com so you don't have to look for me on youtube and balabanos by the way if you don't know or you can't read because i mean it's everywhere on the branding for this podcast it, it's spelled like it sounds it's um, that didn't make sense it's spelled like it sounds balabanos balabanos.com podcast has its own section you can see my work on there if like many of us right now during this pandemic your business is struggling but you need marketing content, you need videos to get people to your online store, to get people buying things from you, to get people getting your services. I'm still open. I am essential, my friends. I can operate, I mean, not after curfew, unless it's very, very specific, but I'm here and honestly, I'm completely open to reduced rates and to bartering in exchange for services right now because I know people need video more than ever. Uh, I mean, look, I've lost a lot of work too. I'm not in a bad place, so I should be grateful. Uh, but like if you are and you need videos, call me. I mean, call me. You can get my number from my website or you can just email me. It's phil at balabanos.com. My name is Phil Balabanos. This has been Phil My Whole. Thank you for joining me and I will see you next Sunday right after curfew. But be home or you'll get in trouble. You've been listening to Phil My Whole. This podcast is available on YouTube in its full video form. If you're lazy and you don't want to Google it and you don't want to search on YouTube, balabanos.com, hit the podcast section. You can subscribe directly to the RSS feed there. My name is Phil Balabanos, and I'll see you next time.